All right, guys, today I get to interview Harvey Jurgen IV. He did not put that on Riverside, but I'm including that because Harvey is a family man. And one of the ways I get to know Harvey all the time because I get to speak to him every single week. He gets to speak life into my business. Um, and one of the reasons I mentioned the fourth is because this guy cares deeply about people, deeply about his family, which we'll get into today. But we're going to be talking about how Harvey's logistical experience in the Army and in other places has led him to a place where he can help businesses scale and grow through EOS. And so if you have a business out there that is on the path of scaling and growing, you're probably going to want to listen to this episode because we're going to talk about some paths and processes, things that you can implement that will help your business grow and scale on the logistical side. Many of us are all caught up and we need more leads. We need more this. We need more that. But sometimes really the bottleneck is on the operational side. Harvey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's talk a little bit. Let's get started on the family side of things. Like, Tell me like, what drives you? What's passionate about Harvey Jurgen? Relationships, man. Bonds, forged, and shared experience and shared values. That's, that's what I'm after. That's wealth to me. So the more, the more relationships I can form when I'm laying on my deathbed sometime when I'm 200 years old and I've created a bunch of relationships with shared values and shared, shared experiences, I'll, I will be a wealthy man. I'm a wealthy man now. I have a lot of those relationships now, including with you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you guys know, I mean, Harvey and I know each other well. We joined GoBundance about a couple years ago. We got into a pod, which we meet weekly. And it didn't take long before we were sending shirtless pictures to each other uh, to mm. help each other improve health. And this was not like, hey, we're showing off our six packs. This was quite the opposite. So um, Harvey, one of the things I admire about you is you have the unique ability to ask the tough questions. Um, mm. And you don't shy away from the truth, which obviously in this culture, I think shying away from the truth has become common practice. Um, so kind of take us into it. I think a lot of people are scared to, to ask truthful questions because of how they might make people feel. When you're asking questions of business owners and yourself, what, what is that process to keep yourself from you know, clouding the subject or going too soft? It's intention, but it's also a realization of what my strengths are and why I'm here. I am naturally intense. That <laughs> asking questions of, first of all, listening. We ask about process. The first part of that is having an open heart and creating space, which for me only means that I'm setting aside all my bullshit, all my ego, all my thoughts and traumas and fears being able to separate that mentally to actually listen to people. And as I mentioned, I'm naturally intense. So I'm naturally confrontational to a, to a degree. I'm learning to ask permission before I dive into it with people. But my intent when I'm at my best is to get the truth on the table. And sometimes that's truth that the person I'm talking to isn't even aware of yet. and Asking good questions can often spark thoughts for them or additional questions, which, which getting to the root of things is really about what's the next question that I should ask. How, like, was that innate inside of you? What was your process to develop the ability to ask the right questions? I think there is a piece of it that is innate as I learn more about myself as I get more experience in the world and I become wiser, let's say, and just frankly, just older, there are patterns in the world and you, you, people say things and, and 
you know, you 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 have these files in the back of your head where you're like, I've I've heard something similar to this before. Let's let's push here. Let's try this question. Let's see if that opens any doors. Yeah, but ultimately, the the more experience you have, the more people you run into, the more businesses that you're involved with, you just learn, and you and you gain wisdom, and you understand what uh, common struggles that people often have. And there, you know, in EOS, we like to say that business owners often think that they have about a hundred hundred different issues, when in reality, all one hundred of those issues are likely a weakness in just six basic components of a business. So it's just pattern recognition, age, wisdom, and experience. Let's, let's break the components into the six components. Like what, what are the six components? The six components of EOS are vision, traction, and people. There's a vision component. The, the people component, the data component, traction, issues, and process. Those are the six components. And most, actually 100% of business issues are, are somewhere in those components. And so obviously, like when you begin to work with a company, there's probably a series of questions that helps you understand where the issues lie within those components. There's a series of questions, but there's also EOS lays out a framework and an implementation process, and it's very thought out and well-designed. Gino Wickman is a designer of EOS. He is a seasoned entrepreneur, and through that process, through that implementation process, so long as the business is open and honest and willing to change, the stuff just comes out, man. Yeah. So in your because you've played the role of integrator in a number of different businesses. Yes. And so in your role of, as integrator, what, like, what do you see as the most common out, out of the six areas? What's the most common areas that people struggle with? Yeah. So for people who don't know, integrator is a general manager or a COO, somebody who is the glue of the organization who's overseeing the, the primary other components of a business. The I forgot your question, but oh, the the very first thing that where most business where most issues lie in my in my experience, and I work with smaller organizations, people who have been doing business for a long time but haven't set up their business to reach the next level. It's often in the people component, and the one of the tools we use in the people component is the accountability chart, which is an organization chart on the surface, but it has accountability baked into it, as in these, these are the five things that each one of these roles is responsible for. And that, that tool by itself is often extremely useful because it helps entrepreneurs and business owners put the work they know that exists in their business in, an, in order, in an organization. In, it, it brings sense to chaos. And that's, that's usually extremely, extremely impactful. And so basically what I'm hearing is that most people you're saying struggle with the idea that not everybody in the company knows what they're doing, how they're supposed to do it, when they're supposed to do it, et cetera. Yeah. Not even what they're supposed to do or how they're supposed to do it. But the first thing you said, which is 
what the hell am I here to do? But not just what this individual person should be doing, but what is this role? So a very basic accountability chart in EOS looks like integrator or COO at the top, and then one, one person, one leader in three major components of the business, sales and marketing, operations, and finance. It can get more complicated for individual businesses, but that, that's the basic structure. So once you start putting the primary responsibilities and accountabilities in those boxes, then everybody in the organization, including the business owner, starts to see, okay, now I understand that all this work that's been going on, it fits right here. And here are the five primary, most important things for, let's say, the sales and marketing manager or lead. And now that's what they're accountable for. This fits in that box. That's the sales and marketing effort and workload. I think I lost you. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? There you are. Okay. So for the sales and marketing lead, and then you cut out. Oh, I don't remember (laughs) where I was, but essentially you, you have sales and marketing operations and finance, and you start to see the workload fit into the sales and marketing role. And then it just makes sense that, okay, there's, we've been doing all the sales and marketing work. We maybe didn't know it was sales and marketing work, for instance, but now it's in this box and whoever's in charge of sales and marketing, they're accountable to that work. So generally, obviously for EOS to be very helpful, I mean, they typically say a company should be between 2 million and 50 million, but the reality is you can implement pieces of this early on. Like, can you maybe break out for a company that's maybe six figures, multiple six figures on their way to a million dollars in revenue, uh, which is where a lot of our agents and investors are listening are. Can you give what parts of EOS would be helpful for businesses that are kind of in that earlier phase of growth? Yeah, that's right. The, the EOS template, let's say, is for businesses that are 10 to 250 people, two to, f- to 50 million for full implementation. But the tools of EOS can be useful if you are a business that's, let's say, we'll just call it stage one. The tools, the primary tools are the accountability chart so that you know which work goes where. And then I'd imagine that if you have a team of any size, whether it's two people or four people, your meetings are likely less efficient than they can be. And we don't have time. You don't have time to waste time in these meetings. So getting the L10 meeting, which is a level 10 meeting, which is what EOS calls their efficient meetings, in place will change the way that you communicate and the way that you get stuff done and solve issues in your business. Those are two tools that I think any business can implement today. So the level 10 meeting, um, which is, that's something that we've actually implemented. It's really, really helpful. There's kind of this place where like, for example, where we're at, I know a lot of people might be in this place too, where with one of our companies, we have maybe nine, eight, nine, 10 employees. It feels a little big to have everybody in one but it feels like we're way too small to have multiple. Can you talk to like when you're in that phase, what the, what the plan might be? Well, that's where I would recommend doing the accountability chart first. And you want to figure out who is on your leadership team. And your leadership team is, is 
Who is responsible for sales and marketing, ultimately, at the top? Who's responsible for operations and who's responsible for finance and admin? And then who is the glue that keeps it all together? Who's your, who's your integrator? Now, for a small business, I understand because I've been there. Oftentimes, there's one person who wears multiple hats and is the lead for all of those things. Ideally, the way it would work is you have one L10 for the leadership team, and then you have L10s for each division. So sales and marketing would have their own L10 where they just discuss the data and the issues that are specific to sales and marketing. Now, L10s traditionally, I think, are about 90 minutes long. So this can be pretty taxing on a business if you're running a leadership L10 and subsequent L10s. So what would you say? I mean, is is there a way to modify the L10, or, you know, and still have great results, or or does it need to be taken as prescribed? I I would take it as prescribed, and here's why: the the 90 minutes, although it seems like a big lift, it's saving you time, and here's why: we've all been in businesses where Issues come up and you're, you're trading emails or messages and you're tackling those issues on an ongoing basis, on a daily basis. And maybe that issue doesn't necessarily need resolved or maybe it's an issue that can't be resolved in an efficient time right when it comes up. So one of the components of the L10 meeting is an issues list, and that's a parking lot for things that come up during the week that you guys can dive into at your L10 meeting. So instead of trading 10 emails and 14 messages about this issue throughout the week and burning countless minutes, you put it on the issues list, you set aside the, the amount of time that it needs to get to the root cause of that issue, design a solution hold somebody accountable to implementing that solution and move on. So it's ultimately a time-saving tool for you. As you have implemented in the past in your companies and as you're helping implement in other people's companies, like, do you see that there's a lot of people that think they're really operating a level 10 meeting and it really just isn't? Like they're following the general structure. Like where, where do you see level 10 meetings go wrong? Yeah, the the biggest yes, it does happen as you'd imagine. The the biggest uh, stumbling block on an L10 is on the issues list. People often think that they're spending enough time identifying the issue when really they are they wind up addressing the surface or the symptom of the actual issue. So the process for issue resolution in the L10 meeting is IDS, issue, discuss, and solve. And that first component issue, or I mean, sorry, identify, discuss, and solve. That first component, identify, is all about asking good questions, getting down to the root, and making sure that you and your leadership team, or whoever's in that meeting, understand the root cause of that actual issue so that you can address it there, solve it once and for all, and move on. That's, that's the biggest stumbling block. And then obviously for things that are bigger than what could be solved in a, in a session, do those go on quarterly rocks or how do you deal with, with issues that are, that, that are much larger in size? Yeah. So one, one resolution to an issue could be, okay, we're going to add this to next quarter's rocks and, and rocks are just a list of 
priorities for that quarter. So that gives somebody 90 days to move that thing forward and, and solve the issue. So you've used EOS in a real estate investing business mm-hmm. and some tangential businesses. Can you give us maybe like a little before and after picture of what, the, what happened with those businesses before and after EOS was implemented? I lost you, but I think you asked for a, a before and after. Of, of yeah, what, what happened before and after EOS was implemented? The biggest change in the, it's not specific to a, a real estate investment company, but the biggest change was that we had a team of five and we were doing business. After EOS, we had a team of five and we were doing business, but we were doing business with a lot more clarity. For instance, our sales and marketing seat, the lead, it didn't have somebody who was ultimately accountable for that division. We put somebody in there, and now they, they knew every week the metrics that we set up to, to measure the efficiency of our sales and marketing department. They knew they were accountable for those things. And then the other people that were doing sales and marketing for us without the structure, they knew what that organ or that department was responsible for it really just cleaned up the communication and the expectations for for that department and every other department so in a in a my in real estate investment company was a house flipping company we had a home investors franchise and we had we had myself we had an operations lead we had a bookkeeper and an admin and we had uh, a sales per two salespeople. So all the work was just kind of like jumbled up, right? And then we just, when we implemented the accountability chart, it was clear, okay, you, my partner, was, was responsible for and accountable to everything in the sales and marketing department. And that other sales person now reports to you. Instead of you guys working kind of like getting your hands in each other's things, now there's a very set structure on how this is going to work. And same thing in operations. This is the operational data, let's say. Uh, projects on time, projects on budget, et cetera, you are accountable for these metrics. So it cleaned up the communication, but it also really cleaned up for the individual contributor and team member what they were responsible for and what their expectations are. And as you'd imagine, that makes people happier. It makes them more productive because they are now working on the things that you have decided as a team matter the most to your business. Yeah, absolutely. So clarity obviously seems to be at the heart, right? Clarity, getting down to the bottom, getting down to the truth of things. Do you think, I mean, would it be fair to summarize all businesses' problems as a lack of clarity? Can you repeat the question? Would you, would you think it would be fair to summarize most, if not all, of businesses' problems as due to a lack of clarity? I would say I would say no. I would say a lot of things are due to a lack of clarity. Most business problems are because of communication, and clarity will clear up communication, will help with communication because it sets a baseline. But ultimately, if people aren't talking to each other and there's other things involved as in your ego or 
your own expectations for what you want or what you think the business should be doing. There's, there's no way around that. You can, you can have a lot of clarity in the business, but if you have the wrong people on your bus or in your organization that don't meet your core values, then you're going to be rowing in the wrong direction. So clarity is a big component. I would add right people in the right seats as, as a second issue in people's business. And it would be nearly impossible, right, to understand if you have the right people in the seats without the accountability chart, without understanding exactly what metrics they need to hit, right? Until until you have clear standards, processes, and accountability and tracking, there's really no way to understand if you have the right person or not. Yeah, that's right. So the part of the accountability chart setup process is first, you set up the accountability chart without names in it. You You set it up for how your business how you want your business to look today and moving forward. So you disregard the past. doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Set it up for how you want to grow without names in it. Names complicate things. First, you want to get the work, all the work in the right spots. So you're going to set up each box, integrator, sales and marketing, ops and finance. And then in, in that box are the five, no more than five, primary responsibilities of that position. And then my favorite part is you ask the leadership team, okay, sales and marketing, here are the five things this person, sorry, this position needs to be accountable for. Who should go in this box? And then, you know, somebody either volunteers or, so, or another team member volunteers somebody else. And then you go around the table and you do, an, <clears throat> you do a performance review live with the with the team and you ask does this person who's been nominated for this position do they get it do they want it and do they have the capacity to do these five things it's either a yes or a no and there has to be a hundred percent yeses for that person to be in that spot but until you define the, the the five key responsibilities of that role then you're it's nebulous you're just you're talking about nothing really so you have to know what it entails and then the person in that seat ultimately has to get it, they have to want it, and they have to have the capacity to do it well. So let's say we talk about the, um, you go around the table and a lot of these chairs, for example, uh, remain unfilled, so to speak. So like in one of my businesses, we have two guys that are, like me and this guy are, are fairly similar on a lot of levels, which is why we really connected. Right, which can be really challenging in a business because you need obviously to be fairly complementary. So, if let's say there was a seat like marketing or or sales in a company, and nobody in that company would naturally fill that, but there's not enough revenue to hire that position yet, which can happen in a company that doesn't have enough salesmanship or or marketing. Mm -hmm. So, what happens in a company where you don't have the money to hire and nobody in the company is the right fit for that position? Somebody's got to step up and fill that seat on. On a temporary basis, the expectation is I'm going to fill this seat. I understand the expectations of this seat, but I also understand and we understand that at some point in the future, as we grow and we break through the ceiling and then our next level of growth, that we're going to hire for this position. And Matt, remember we talked about the issues list. Well, one thing to, to obviously to add to that issues list is filling the sales or marketing seat. And so maybe then you know if they don't have the money to hire maybe they can go hire on a different salad basis right a 1099 a commission basis or a 
an equity basis or something like that. How much do you dive into in EOS implementation with a company of working with them to structure how compensation works? Is that kind of something that you tackle with with companies or is it more just org chart and uh, meeting structures, et cetera? My job as an implementer is to facilitate, is to teach the tools and then facilitate the brain power that's already in the room. So by asking good questions, helping get the, the ideas out of people's heads for how they can solve the issues in their organization chart. I'm not going to tell them you should do this or even that you could do this. I might ask them a question instead of, instead being, let's say, in your organization, Matt, this is an issue. It seems like it's a very important role. What ideas do you have over the next 90 days for how this work can be accomplished? And by asking that question, it's obviously going to be their idea and therefore more likely to be implemented because it's their idea and not Harvey's idea. Amen, brother. That's how this stuff sticks because it, it, that's how you get buy-in. If you bring a consultant in and they just tell you what you should do, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah. More often than not, you're, you know, you're going to either not trust the advice or trust the advice on a temporary basis, give it a rip, and then it doesn't work, and then you're back to square one. Yeah, the, in order to get buy-in and for this actually to work, the, the ideas have to come from the people who are already in that organization and understand it. What do you say to the people that feel like they have way too much going on to implement EOS? Like they're already working the 60, 70, 80 hours a week and their, their life is, feels crazy. They're barely mm-hmm. making ends meet on the revenue side and they just, they're having a hard time seeing the light of day. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those people? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say to them, or I guess I would assume that they want more from their business, right? And by want more from their business, that could mean they want more time to be a dad, be a wife, be a mother, etc. Be a volunteer in the community, work on their business and not in their business. One tool, one possible scenario is in order to get that next level in your business, you could implement an oper- a business operating system like EOS. However, if you are not committed to the process of implementing EOS, then maybe it's not the right time for you. So that's my advice to them is this is a commitment. It's a simple, it's a simple set of tools, but it is not easy and will require work. You have to be committed to that work and the idea that at some point in the very near future, if I do this work now, that I'll have the business that I've dream of. Yeah. And one thing I know about you, because we uh, meet every week, is that you shut your phone off around five o'clock every single day. The chance that I get a what's that? I'm hard to get a hold of after five. Well, there's no doubt. Uh, yeah, which is which is absolutely fantastic, right? So for those of you out there listening, Harvey's a guy that's been in my pod for two years, and he's been notoriously hard to get a hold of after five, which many of us, if not all of us in our pod, have massive respect for that factor. And maybe you should think about what that means, right? I mean, like if you're in a business and you're working way after 5 p.m. and you're not able to turn things off because you don't have things systemized, maybe this would be a good time to reach out and connect with Harvey um, and get some of these tools implemented. Harvey, like what's, what's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? By 18 months from now, our vision is to be working with at least 20 businesses, 
having implemented EOS and helping them with their quarterly and annual meetings. And then by really by 18 months, we should be close to finishing up and phasing out our necessity in that business. So the part of the EOS implementation process is to phase ourselves out. Eventually, you don't need us. You, you are running EOS and you're running your quarterlies and your annuals on your own. So 18 months from now, that's the vision, man. Our passion is to help business owners who are heroes in the world because they have huge dreams with potential for massive economic or community impact, get more from their business. So helping the business owners and the heroes primarily, but then also unlocking the value that is in that business for their community and for the world. So by that's our passion. And 18 months from now, we hope to be just freaking full to max capacity, helping as many business owners as we can by imp- helping them implement EOS. How do people get a hold of you? You can call me, 901-484-9751. If you don't get a hold of, hold of me, shoot me a text, especially if it's after 5 Eastern. It's very unlikely that I'll get back to you that night. Or you can email me, harvey.jurgen, Y-E-R-G-I-N, at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook at Center of Excellence in Columbus, Ohio, or centerofexcellence.us. That's our website. Awesome. Well, Harvey, man, thanks for coming on and sharing about all the EOS stuff. Uh, just so you guys know, I've implemented the level 10 meetings and various elements of the EOS process in multiple businesses. And every time it helps our business get more clarity and move forward in a better way. I have no doubt that we don't do it at the highest level possible. Uh, but for even the little that we've done, we've saw a lot of benefits. So if you work with someone like Harvey and do it right, I'm sure the benefit is even greater. So guys, uh, Write down something you learned from today's episode. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you, Matt.